everyone. Welcome to the Christ and Coffee podcast. I'm Jeremy. This is Haig. And we're back with our good friend, Sean, for our, I keep wanting to say sermon series. This isn't a sermon, but I'm so used to having sermon and right before that word series. Podcast series, maybe? Our podcast series uh, on the I am statements of John's gospel. So we are at number five in the series. Uh, we're almost done. There's seven of them, but we combined two of them last week. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. Um, we're in the fifth one this week in chapter 14 of John's gospel, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, um, pretty famous one. And, uh, let's just get started with what that means, uh, from the get go. All of these I am statements have had some sort of connection to a festival so i'll just say quickly and get it out of the way that this comes at passover so it's the i think it's the second that happens during passover because bread of life was during passover and now this is during passover but uh yeah so get that out of the way so everybody knows what the festival is connected to this one same themes from bread of life uh exodus uh new creation all that's coming there but uh i am the way the truth and the life uh sean hi what do we do with that? John, go for it. No, you can do a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really a summation, I think, of uh, kind of what, what Jesus is talking to his disciples. And his, he's talking to his disciples pretty directly here. Um, you know, they're uh, confused. They're uh, troubled. They're worried. You know, Jesus is uh, this taking place in the upper room. They've uh, just broken the bread and shared the cup. They've just had the Last Supper, right? And then Jesus is kind of cluing them in as to what's going to happen uh, from now on. It's really a shift, right? There's a transition that's happening, and Jesus' ministry is kind of coming into a culmination. And he kind of tells his disciples kind of good news, bad news kind of thing. You know, he says, hey, the Son of Man's going to suffer. The Son of Man's going to die. All this stuff's going to happen. And they're like, wait, what are you talking about, Jesus? And they said, and, you know, Jesus tells them, oh, someone's going to betray me. Uh, uh, and, you, you know, Peter's going to deny me and all these bad things. And the disciples are just kind of like beside themselves, like what's happening. Um, but, you know, Jesus kind of reiterates because they're like, wait, where are you going? What's happening? Uh, but here Jesus kind of, I think, shows them that he's in control, right? I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Uh, they, they're asking Jesus, where are you going? like, don't worry, I'm the way. They're, uh, they're kind of confused at what's going on. Jesus says that I'm the truth, and they're worried about, and, you know, talking about death and all these things. Like, no, I'm the life. Uh, so all these anxieties that you have and these worries that you have, don't worry. It's, uh, I'm in a sense, I'm in control. Yeah, it strikes me that it's basically a, a more theological way of the synoptics basically saying Jesus told people to follow him. Right. <laughs> right. Like this is a much more theological way of Jesus inviting people to follow him, his disciples to, to, to follow him. And uh, he is the way on which to go. And he is the truth to, to follow. And, and he's the, uh, the life that gives life uh, like we talked about last week. Oh, sorry. We talked about resurrection and life last week, not about the gate and the shepherd. Yeah. So it's all a, one blur of a series. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> Sean, you mentioned a shift. I just want to point this out too. There's a transition here. So we're in chapter 14. Um, chapter 13 of John's gospel 
starts a whole transition. So there's two, two halves of John's gospel. The first half is called the book of glory where Jesus is doing signs and his public ministry is uh, sort of revealing God to the world around him. And then the second half of the book we call the book of glory uh, where Jesus goes to the cross, uh, rises again and ascends to heaven. So we're at the beginning of that second half and this is a real transition into Jesus's uh, glorious return back to heaven. So there's a lot of scholars who think that the whole book is uh, is based on or is structured around direction. <laughs> so the, the book begins with uh, the word of God coming down to men and God, you know, breaking into the deepest, darkest parts of the world. And it ends with Lazarus being dead and Jesus conquering or winning the battle between death. And then the rest of the, the gospel beginning in chapter 13 is Jesus ascending, going back up to uh, where he came from, from heaven and bringing his, his church up with them, beginning to bring his church up with him. So I think that fits really well into this theme here where uh, basically Jesus is saying, you know, come on, hop on with me and I'll show you the way home. You know, this is, if you want, if you want to find out uh, how to get to where we need to go and how heaven and earth can come back together in the way they need to, uh, follow me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. It's this beginning of the ascension theme and he's inviting his church to follow him uh, in this ascension theme, um, which comes out in the text because he starts talking about, you know, you'll do works just like I did the works and, and you will demonstrate um, even works greater than I did, which is a surprising little note that Jesus right. uh, makes there, um, which is to say, when you follow me, when you join the train, uh, you'll, you'll be doing Jesus-like things. And the ascension theme begins here in, in chapter 14. Yeah, I like how uh, the, the, the words follow me sums up discipleship, right? It's like mm. the thing that Jesus calls his disciples to do. He says, Peter, follow me. And uh, it's the first, it's the last thing Jesus tells Peter in the gospel of John after he renounces uh, his denial and says, I love you. Jesus says, follow me. And uh, the early church was called people of the way. The way is the ways of Jesus following Jesus, which is really different than what we describe conversion or Christianity. we view it more as all right, believe in Jesus and just sit there in your boat. That's it. Just stay in your pews, sit there, just accept me into your heart. All right, we're done. You're going to heaven. Jesus is saying, no, no, follow me. Get up out of your seat. Drop what you're doing. Use every part of your existence and pursue my ways, my truth, my life. Mm. And, and again, it strikes me that it's not a, it's not just an ideological thing. It's a relational thing. Mm -hmm. Like, follow me. I'm a person. I'm truth, right? The way I lived is the way you ought to live. So come follow me. It's, I think too many times the church has got caught up in abstract ideological arguments and lost Jesus in the midst of it. Right. Um, yeah, one I of my favorite. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I remember uh, talking to someone who grew up in the church and then became an atheist. And then he was complaining to me. Uh, where in the Bible does it say there's a personal relationship with Christ? There's nowhere in the Bible that says there's a personal relationship. Like you said, the word follow me is a relational understanding of, of spirituality. Yeah. 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 I think, um, uh, so I want to say this very carefully, but I think sometimes this text, the I am the way, the truth and the life 
has been potentially weaponized by the church. Uh, sometimes I think it's taken as a, as a sort of claim to exclusivity in a way that um, is kind of like, hey, we've got the truth, nanny, nanny, nanny. You know, like we've got it, we have it, you don't. So it, it becomes sort of weaponized sometimes. And I think if you're reading it carefully, uh, it's a it's a recognition that yes Jesus uh, reveals the Father he's the only revelation of the Father um, and so in that way it is sort of an exclusive claim um, but to turn it into a sort of uh, weapon or a tool to divide others um, it's also you know more contextually an invitation to learn the way with Jesus, you know, so not that we have all the answers on the way, not that we can turn it into the absolute that we can, you know, weaponize against others. Um, but that we really don't have any direction, truth or life unless we kind of participate in life with Jesus. And you got to understand, like he's talking to his disciples. Like these are the people that have been following him for years and they still haven't figured it out, right? Yeah. It's almost an indictment and it's almost a criticism of them. It's like, hey, you know, you need to follow me. It's like, you don't even know. They're like, oh, show us the father. And like, wait, you've been with me all this time and you've seen me, you've been, you don't recognize that, you know, I and the father are one basically. He's making those truth claims, but right. it's not to just anybody. It's to the people that have been following him, his disciples, the people closest to him. And so he's making these truth claims like, hey, do you not know who I am? Do you not understand after all this time? Um, you know, that, that he, again, it is a call to action. Follow me, you know, I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, you know, but uh, you're talking about that book of signs, book of uh, glory, right? Div divide thing. Like, okay, they've seen all the signs, but now they got to walk the path. And mm -hmm. really the path that Jesus lays isn't an easy one, right? He's saying, follow me. Uh, I have the truth. I, 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 the end result is life. Um, but it's not an easy path because that path leads directly to the cross and suffering. Right. Um, and as he was trying to explain to them what, what that entails, they were like, oh, I didn't sign on for this kind of attitude. Mm. And, you know, the, unfortunately, the disciples kind of stumble their way through the rest of the story, you know. Right, right. Just to clarify, Jeremy, with the weaponizing of this passage, are you referring to when people define the truth, the way, and the life as like their interpretation versus Jesus's uh, interpretation, or like can you give more examples? Because it's 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 I'm, I'm kind of confused what, with that comment. I think when I mean weaponizing, I think when a community takes it and says we have the way, the truth, and the life, so we have absolute knowledge of A, B, C, or D, whatever it might be, and so it becomes uh, a point of you know, deifying or uh, absolutizing your tradition or your perspective or your answers or, uh, you know, just claiming to know more than we actually know when Jesus is offering himself as the way, the truth, and the life, and we follow him. Um, I think that's what I mean by weaponizing. Okay. Yeah. But the exclusivity of Jesus being the only way to the Father is there because... Oh, yeah. Because... Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I commonly get into arguments or debates with people in New York, uh, people from a secular mindset who tell me like, all religions are the same. They're pretty much just saying, be a good person. Uh, that's one approach. Or they say uh, all religions are forms of people dealing with suffering and death. And this is like a defense mechanism that you're being taught. Uh, this is like a typical skeptical approach. And it's like really, a uh, frustrating because it's like first of all if the person says the first one where like all religions are the same all paths 
they're just different paths leading up the same mountain is it was what they would say yeah I, I would push back and be like you haven't read the different religious groups it's insulting not just to me but also to the other be- traditions mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're claiming yeah. are just the same lumping them in. right lumping them all together right. and right. uh i mean you just simply you look at how each of those religions and worldviews uh view the person of jesus it's going to be yeah. different i think i think what i mean if I'm just to clarify, is that by Jesus saying he's the way, the truth, and the life, you know, so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It, that doesn't mean we have right. all of the way, truth, and life cornered, and we've got it all figured out. Right. So that's what I mean is sometimes I think we weaponize it and say, hip, we got it, and sure. Jesus it's, is ours, and it's like we have Jesus in our back pocket. Right. And usually we kind of turn that into a, you know, we shape Jesus in our own image, and then it becomes, you know, <laughs> Right. It's, the, it's the institution claiming to have the way, the truth, and life versus yeah. Jesus, the person. So as, as much as our churches are, ref, are pointing to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, that's good. But, but when we use it to claim that, oh, our church has the way, the truth, and your life, and your, you know, may not, uh, it's, it's contingent upon Jesus. And again, it's a personal uh, connection here that Jesus is making with his disciples and his followers. Mm. You know, uh, it's, it's like you said, it, it, it's a call to action in a lot of ways to, to follow him. And yeah. as much as you are doing that, then you'll be on the right path. Then yeah. you will understand truth and be able to discern the truth from, you know, right from wrong. And, right. and that will lead you to a life, life right. that is fulfilling now and life eternal as well. So right. it's all make, contingent on Jesus. And you can make that same point for all the I am statements, right? It's not, yeah. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. No, you're not. You're, you, you are the, the, you need to be submissive to the one who is the I am. And the mm. beautiful thing about Jesus, he's completely submissive to the father in heaven. And even his divine pattern of revealing God to us is one of complete surrender and submission. Right. And, uh, yeah. You're absolutely right. We, the, the, we can weaponize these verses uh, when we, when we think I am the truth versus uh, submitting to the personal truth. Um, mm. um, I think that dovetails pretty nicely into the centrality of the love theme in this upper room discourse. Um, Oh, I don't think we mentioned this, but this comes in the upper room discourse. (laughs) So the whole last supper scene in John's gospel uh, is very unlike the other last supper scenes in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So in John's gospel, the, the last supper scene is a long extended teaching session that Jesus has with his disciples. Um, And so we call that scene, the upper room discourse. Um, we just gave it a fancy name, just like we call it the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. But, um, and see, I lost where I went with that. Oh, oh the love theme. It was the love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The love theme all throughout that discourse is, um, if you follow the way, the truth, and the life, you love your brother, right? And and all throughout, well, you know, how, what should we do? And the commandment Jesus gives them is to love one another. Um, and so I think, you know, if you want to locate some sort of, benchmark for whether or not somebody's walking in the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, love in the way that Jesus demonstrated love uh, is, is a good love, way to know how we're going forward. Love with truth in it, not just love as an emotion. Like there's actual mm-hmm. concrete truth in action when we say mm-hmm. this love, not just the feeling of love. I just right. want to clarify because I know you're not referring to that when you say love, but most people when they hear the word love, they usually thinking are romantic Feeling. or emotional Right, but when right. the Bible talks about love, it's agape love. It's, it's charity. It's going out of your way for the benefit of the other without expecting anything in return. And there's always has to be truth connected to that 
action. So, so what is the truth connected to that action? Because here, the, the love he's describing is the love he's demonstrated all throughout his ministry, which is what you just referred to earlier. He, he gives of himself to the submission of the father and he gives himself to the, the brothers and sisters and the people, the sheep he's been given to take care of. So, so in that context, what is the truth? I mean, he's the truth. Like he's saying it here. Uh, exactly. Like, so if you want to know what the example for what truth and love in action look like, look to the person of Jesus Christ. So there you go. That's all I wanted you to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really, I, just, I gave you the softball pitch. Yeah. yeah. I, I, hopefully I hit that out of the park, yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But to uh, become like that person, you need to follow him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this is important because all right, Jesus is not physically here, like right now, but he is in a different way. And this is the important piece of this passage that gives the church a hope and keeps it a personal relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, you implied that there's a dissension, and then this is the beginning of an ascension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, this transition piece, uh, uh, what is it kind of leaning towards? Because I think right after this, we need to talk about what comes right after this passage as well. But let's let's talk about how is this connected to ascension? Well, the whole the whole upper room discourse is centered around <laughs> the theme of revelation. So God God being revealed in Jesus, uh, and the Spirit of God being the one who will be given to the community to have contact with Jesus when he ascends back to heaven. And love is kind of the ethic that will, you know, unite everybody in the midst of, or in the in-between while the spirit is with them. So when we talk about ascension, I think we talk about the the spirit of God uh, connecting us with Christ and empowering us in Christ to do the work we're called to do. And so I think here, you know, the, the theme of the spirit being given as the gift um, in the upper room discourse is front and center and, and you can't talk about, um, you know, walking in the way of Jesus, living in the truth of Jesus and experiencing the life of Jesus without having the spirit of God empowering and equipping and in breathing in you while you walk on that journey. And I think, uh, you know, how you're saying, you know, what's coming after this, it's just that. Cause like just before this, the disciples are worried. They're scared. Jesus is saying he's leaving uh, all these bad things are going to happen. Someone's going to betray Jesus. They're going to deny Jesus. They feel lost, right? They feel like confused. Uh, Jesus is reassuring them and, and comforting them, saying, "Like I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You know, this ascension isn't going to be easy. It's going to lead us to the cross. It's going to be a difficult journey, but don't be afraid, right? Don't fret. Uh, and, and, you know, Jeremy's talking about it ultimately leads to the promise of the Holy Spirit uh, that Jesus promises that he will send them uh, right after this as that comfort. And I think it's tied to saying, Hey, you've seen me do these amazing things. You're going to, there's going to be even more amazing things happening within you because of the spirit, not because of them, anything in particular, but that Jesus's ministry continues. Uh, and in a sense, uh, he, his people, his body, his church become the continuation of his work in this world because of uh, the spirit. Yeah, I, I, I like how you, um, if the Ascension theme begins in chapter 13 with that beginning of the Book of Glory, I, I really like Shant 
how you integrate or how you see the cross as part of that ascension, right? Yeah. And I think uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting concept to think that the, ascent, the ascended king that we follow is raised on a Roman cross, and mm-hmm. that's part of his return back to the glory that he had with the Father. Right. And, and so I think, you know, you take that to this and connect it to this I am statement, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's inviting us on that way of self-giving love for, it, for it, our brothers. It involves sacrifice. It involves right, death. Yeah. Right. right. So, uh, so, yeah, like going back to the other uh, common critique of religions being uh, an escape mechanism, Christianity is not saying like we need to escape this, this world. I mean, there are forms of Christianity where it's poor theology, where you kind of get that sense, like it's a defense mechanism or a spiritual defense, as one psychologist told me where you kind of spiritualize this pain and suffering. But Christianity says, pick up your cross, follow that narrow road, pursue me. That's Christianity. Pick up your cross and follow me. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. That's what a disciple is. So it's engaging this evil world. It's, it's expecting to enc- encounter suffering, but knowing that God is with you along the way uh and there there's a victory over this but 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 it's not one of escapism it's a one of engagement because christ engages not, this world yeah and it's not a triumphalism either it's not like a you know it's subverting those expectations right 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 and it really jesus is preparing his disciples for that suffering and for that this isn't what you think it is in a sense you were talking about that ascension my throne that i'm going to sit at the top of this hill is the cross it's right. death Right. Uh, and he's, in a sense, preparing them for that suffering, uh, preparing them to subvert those expectations of what this king of glory is going to look like, you know. Mm. And it is it isn't an escape. It's it's very stark uh, dealing with the reality of what's going to happen, but reminding them that, hey, it's not all hope is lost. Uh, this is expected. And. Uh, you'll, we're going to pass through this. We're going to walk this path, but it's it's part of God's plan. This the end result will be what you know what God wants. Right, right. So there's that hope and future, even in the midst of the suffering. Yeah, yeah. And I think on the big picture level, the the, I mean, you could talk about the whole Bible sort of being the narrative of God uh, reuniting or reconciling His space and our space, heaven and earth. And so if this whole uh, gospel is about Jesus doing just that, going down into the deepest, darkest regions of earth and reclaiming it and reuniting heaven and earth, then, you know, really back to that point when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, this is all coming together in him. And he's he's inviting us into this new creation reality. Um, we can begin to taste it here, but ultimately looking forward and hope to uh, the final reconciliation of all things. Yeah. But I, I do want to just stress, like, this should give us confidence, not arrogance as Christians, because mm. I, I don't like the other extreme of just having a defeatist Christianity. It, it should be a confidence that, all right, no matter what comes at me, uh, God is with me. I, he has a home prepared for me. The spirit of God is with me. I'm walking uh, and pursuing the one who is in control, who is the ascended king. So like this shouldn't be the other extreme is like a defeatist mindset, uh, a victim mindset, uh, a martyr complex. But as Christians, we need to be completely confident in the one who we're following 
and in the in in the humility of following the one who is the king uh it should give us a, a healthy understanding of uh, realism uh to put it straightforward confidence is a is is having courage it's having a, a proper understanding of uh, of right and wrong uh and part of that is humility part of that is uh having uh, authority and 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 saying no this is sin this isn't sin and it's 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 important to 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 call things out if it goes against jesus christ yeah uh especially like shant mentioned he's talking to his disciples uh especially i'm talking about within the church home not 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 outside where you're judging people but there needs to be a, a healthy standard of what it does it mean to to pursue the way the truth and the life within the body of christ uh for there to be a spiritual health um yeah i think that goes back to mentioning that truth well, the the love discourse but there's truth in that love as well you're 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 not sugarcoating anything you're not just you know uh, all, all butterflies and, you know, good, good vibes, but it's a, it's love that's sacrificial, but there's truth in it. And, and really I, you're right. It's, it's, and this whole discourse and the whole way truth of life is Jesus kind of reminding his disciples, Hey, I'm the trailblazer, right? I'm the one that's going before you. I'm laying the path. Uh, you're not going to see me. I'm not going to be around, but trust that I know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to lay down that path. I'm going to trailblaze for you guys to follow me. Uh, so, and, and at the end there, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a home for you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm, I'm giving you the spirit to, to be there, to guide you and encourage you. And the path is going to be kind of laid out for you to follow. Uh, so it is that, uh, confidence, like you're talking about, it's not a defeatist, but like, okay, we have a purpose. We have a destination. We know the path. Jesus has laid it out before us. So we got to walk with confidence, um, on that path, you know, wherever it leads. Yeah, and it's important when he promises the gift of the Holy Spirit, he says, if you love me, there's the love peace. You will obey the, what I command, there's the truth peace. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor the, or the paraclete to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean... Without Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, we have no access to either the Father or the Spirit. It's a it's a complete package. But to get there, we need love, surrender, and obedience. Uh, it's it's a it's it's a requirement to receive the Holy Spirit. Is that love and that obedience? And uh, yeah, you have it here. Uh, all these I am statements are in your face. They're they're they they kind of force you to decide what is Jesus talking about. Is his ways going to be my ways? Or am I going to live my life my way? And uh, we're confronted with, with that. Uh, who, who's the truth? Am I the truth? Who's the way? Is it my way? What life? Is it Christ's life for me or my life for myself? And this is really the, the challenge. Because like, imagine if someone is telling you, look, your way, your way of truth, your way of life is wrong. You need to follow me. That's pretty profound. Uh, that could be offensive at times. But if it's the truth, then it's the thing that we need to be pursuing the most. I think it's interesting just if we follow the pattern of John and all the other times Jesus has made an I am statement, it's created controversy among the crowds. Yep. And if you read carefully chapter 13, 14, 15, this whole upper room discourse, uh, 
sadly, it's almost the same for the disciples. They hear this and they're like, yeah, we don't understand. We don't get it. There's miscommunication. There's confusion. There's, I mean, Judas ends up betraying Jesus.